Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here today to continue our positional reviews, and we've got the quarterback position, one of the ones you've been waiting for, I'm sure, uh, to discuss it with me is Kevin Ostreicher, 
of Locked On Ravens. Kevin, how you doing? Ken, I'm doing well. Uh, I wish we were doing these a little later in January or in February, but here we are now. The Ravens, they just uh, they couldn't get it done. Late February would be fine with me. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, this is much too early, frankly, to be, to be talking about the end of the Ravens season. I would agree. Tell folks where they can find you online, uh, either Twitter or your show. Yeah, so I am first on Twitter at ChaosStriker34, and I host and produce the Locked on Ravens podcast five days a week. Uh, we do that throughout the offseason, too, so for agency, draft, you know, season review, season preview. So we're there in audio form. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're on video form also on YouTube, and then also I write for Ravens Wire. I'm the managing editor over there, so written content seven days a week. So I eat, sleep, and breathe uh, Baltimore Ravens football. All right. Uh, Good to hear. Great to have you back again. Let's talk a little bit about the quarterback position. Uh, Lamar Jackson started the year and uh, through almost midseason was in the MVP discussion, particularly after the comeback against uh, Indianapolis and some of the other, you know, just high wire acts the Ravens played on their way to eight and three. Yeah, he was somebody who, you know, you, you look at like the MVPs have a premier performance or like an MVP game and you look to the Indianapolis game and I think that was like his hey I'm back in this MVP conversation but then you hit week 10 against the Dolphins and it just goes completely downhill and he admittedly struggled over that last month of his year the ankle injury keeps him out for the remainder of his season after week 14 and now you're, you have people talking about you know did he lose money in his contract? You know, did he lose a couple million dollars? So his season was very up and down where he started off well, kind of had a decent middle and then kind of tapered off there at the end in a pretty bad way. All right, let's get into some of the, the some of the subplots involved there, because I think this is where this gets interesting. I think most people understand that he had a terrible year from an interception touchdown uh, or not a very un Lamar Jackson year. Let's put it that way. Uh, did have still a pretty good running year, but uh, Lamar wasn't the kind of threat he was. I think a lot of that was dependent on the personnel around him. And, and obviously, in two significant ways, he wasn't playing with the same offensive team he did in 19 or 20. Uh, did not have anybody at running back who was a who was a significant threat. Obviously, neither Freeman nor nor Bell nor uh, Latavius Murray uh, ended up being a meaningful back for for the bulk of the season. Uh, they also were playing without both offensive tackles um, that started the year. Villanueva moved to the left side and and was terrible there. And Ronnie Stanley was lost in the first game, and he was awful when he did play. Oh, hopefully, he'll be all right. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, a long term concern for the Ravens at this point. Yeah, and, and there were a couple of reasons as to why I think Jackson struggled the way he did. And you talked about the interceptions there, but it, it's funny because the interceptions kind of crept up in like the second-ish part of his season before. Like he look, you look at week one, it was fumbles. Like fumbles were issues for him in week one against the Raiders. So like the, the fumbling issues were there and he got those kind of under control. And then the interceptions started to creep up and then those were an issue. So it was a big turnover year for him in – a season where I don't think a lot of people expected that because his rookie season, he could not take care of the ball. He was fumbling all over the place. He got it under control in 2019 and 2020. And then 2021, I think, was that clear turnover regression. And, you know, whether you attribute that to the lack of a running game, which the stats will tell you, like the pure box course does say, oh, they were top five in yards per attempt and in yards. But that's just not what it was. Right. I, I'm, I'm going to take us back to 2019 because that's a team that – uh, was was awfully good, obviously, in a lot of ways at 14-2. and two. But my theory on it always at the time was that the offense, 
it, in its historic production at 3.08 yards per drive, and the um, you know remarkable season that Jackson had was largely driven by him to an even greater degree. That he was making other players around him great, like Stanley, like Brown, uh, Brown at right tackle, a, a great example of a player who. I think I probably understated the value of to the Ravens. I mean, he did some good things at left tackle in his in his second year, and the Ravens now without tackles in their third year really you know saw how bad it can become for the running game and whatnot. But the other thing is they they had a very legitimate, very healthy three headed monster in 2019 at the running back position that would threaten the field in multiple ways and allow Jackson to run that outside. Uh, zone read and and be the outside threat uh, when his groin was right in 2019. Right. I just think the lack of a run game took away part of this offense, as it does. You have an offense that was predicated on the run game. We knew that they were going to put more of a focus on the pass game this season, but they had to really lean into it, I think, a little more than they wanted to. And I think it improved. I mean, over the first part of the year, I, I give Greg Roman credit. I think the pass offense was improved. But then the second half of the season, there was that just, I mean, you can call it a collapse, whatever you want to say. But part of it had to do with the fact that the execution wasn't there. Other parts had to do with, I'll call it questionable play calling. And all of those things combined gives you what you had from week 10 on. And then the injuries just add on top of it. And all that was just recipe for disaster. All right. I'm, I'm definitely in the camp that while uh, you could argue that Roman's play calling might have been a factor, it was not at all the dominant factor. The dominant factor by far the injuries. And, you know, when you're when you're left trying to call plays for a team that has uh, no running backs, no credible running threat, uh, those linebackers are basically saying, I dare you to run the ball. You know, we're, we're looking for the pass. But I dare you to run the ball. Uh, those edge rushers are saying, you know what, I'm not even going to observe the normal rules for pass rushing and my normal, you know, red light rules. I'm just going to rush the passer as I see fit um, against a quarterback like Huntley for a lot of that time who really didn't have any pocket presence. He had to have his pocket presence schemed for him. As I say, basically they had to get the ball out quickly because they knew he just was not, he didn't have the awareness within the pocket to, uh, to avoid pressure that he wasn't directly looking at. Right. It, it takes out the trickeration of what this mm-hmm. offense was and what it becomes. I mean, I look back to, you know, we can go back to 2020 and talk about those NFC East up the middle runs where it was on the option plays and Jackson would just take it 50 yards to the house without a Dobbins in that backfield or an Edwards in that backfield. How scared are defenses of Latavius Murray or how scared are they of Devonta right. Freeman? It's it takes away that part of an offense and then you can't use play action effectively. And it just all piles on top of each other and gives us what we got in 2021. Uh, that's very well said, and that's that's exactly what I think is was was in a nutshell the problem with the Ravens' offense is they couldn't get their play action to to work because their their run game wasn't threatening and they couldn't get their run game to work the way it had before. Even though you know you look at the stats and the Ravens' run yards, rush yards for Perry were good, and their and their overall uh, uh, rush yards were in the top five or six. Anyway, I, I don't remember exactly where they finished, but they were high enough that they that they were uh, uh, still one of the in theory, better running teams in the league. But that's because they run the ball a lot. And and it w- certainly was not the case that their offensive line was able to do the things they were in, in 19, create the number of second-level first contact opportunities for their running backs that would really create problems. And and you're right, in 2020, a lot of what they did, getting Jackson free in the in the middle of the field, was just getting defenses to, to make unforced errors against them. 
you know, you, you show them enough deceit and motion and, and all of a sudden, you know, the defense is trying to have to herd their own cats to get people in the proper position. And, and you know, a linebacker thinks he sees something, he, he goes after it like the bait. And then, you know, all of a sudden Jackson is gone. So, uh, yeah, I, it, it was, it was really sad to see the Ravens not be able to get the, not the production out of the running game, but the effectiveness of play action and the passing game and the, and the Jackson runs from the, the, uh, the threat of a, of a credible running game. Right. Yeah. I think it all comes down to efficiency. I mean, we saw, I think too many times in, in 2021, the Ravens is a team averaging 3.4 yards per carry or mm-hmm. 2.9 yards per carry. When we were so used to seeing them average like six or seven or eight yards a carry as a team, because they had so many credible running threats. It, it was able to get Lamar Jackson open, as you talked about there. And it all starts in the trenches where they had consistency at center, consistency at right guard, and no consistency anywhere else. You know, you had Patrick McCarry play well at right tackle, but he was in and out at the end of the season. Alejandro Villanueva, I call consistently inconsistent, just a player who I don't think got the job done <laughs> over the course of the season. And I think that led to Jackson play a little bit too much hero ball because he was getting pressured. It seemed like the pocket was collapsing on him every single time he dropped back. He was a little hesitant, I thought, because he just thought that he had to make so much happen. We saw the decision-making go down. I think he he, he regressed a little bit in decision-making. I think that is a product of the offensive line he was playing with. I don't think he is this terrible decision-maker. I think he just felt so forced to make stuff happen without the running backs, without his star left tackle, and that's what we saw. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. He's, he he uh, likes to extend plays, had been very good at extending plays in his first three seasons, but there, but really in 19 and 20 more than anything else. And and he was, for the first half of the season, was doing a remarkable job with extended plays this year. Lo- real high time to throw, real long A dot. Uh, his, his average depth of target was very deep down the field. It was the highest in the NFL by a, by a wide margin. Uh, his game, I, I don't forget, I forget if it was the Indianapolis game or one of the others, but one of them, he had, the, he had like the, the highest average depth of completion, I want to say. Depth of target, depth of completion. Not sure which, but anyway, it's a measure of deep passing um, in that game that they, they'd ever measured in the AWS era. So it was, and it was by like three yards or something, some ridiculous figure like that. It's like his average depth of target had been like 19 yards or something. Uh, it, it was just it was it was starting off like a remarkable season. Now, I think Ravens fans, and I'm sure you and I would fall into this category, knew that this team was fairly deeply flawed at eight and three. That, that not, not only do they have a serious set of injuries, they'd gotten there through kind of a 1969 Mets smoke and mirrors kind of method of of winning a lot of really close games that they that they shouldn't have. Um, but they but they had some very serious flaws. The, the big analogy I'd say, in fact, if you want to talk recent is the 11 and 0 Steelers from just 2021. It's a uh, 2020. It's hard to believe that team could have gone to 11 and 0 with, with the personnel they had. There just weren't any good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny to think about where they ended versus where they started. I mean, if you're looking at the 2021 Ravens team, the, absolute mo of this team was close games and aggressiveness you know it it comes down to those two things it wasn't like the ravens started being aggressive with two pointers and on fourth down late in the year they were doing it like they went for that fourth down in week two like they were doing it the entire season i think that instilled confidence in lamar jackson and what we saw early in the season when there still was i think some semblance of consistent offensive line play when he was given time to go through his reads to push the ball down the field he was accurate and on target for the most part the interceptions crept up is 
I think Alejandro Villanueva's play declined and you saw some shuffling at the left guard position and a couple of things like that. But I think, you know, when I break down the Ravens 2021 season, it's close games finishing in the overall aggressiveness of what this team was. They've got, uh, you know, they got de- decent play out of the middle of the offensive line, I thought, for most of the year from the from the IOL. I don't think you could ask for a lot better given the personnel they had. I thought Ben Powers played pretty well. The Phillips was ill-suited. Um, they, they, they got him injured in game one, which was unfortunate. That really reduced any chance he had, I thought, to, to become the, the plug-and-play um, tackle that they needed. And then they had a rotation of people through that left tackle spot and sorry, at the right tackle spot that were just awful. Um, McCary was uh, okay. And and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean, McCary played through significant physical physical limitations to turn in a season that was the best of any Ravens tackle this year. But, but it's still, it's not what the Ravens need to aspire to in terms of their starting tackle play. They they need to get a guy who on on both sides who can play at a a significantly higher level. If McCary's their first backup, I'm okay with that, but I'm not okay with, with McCary being the, uh, being a starter at right tackle on this team. And, and in fact, I think that, that McCary himself would be much more suited moving back to center. Any feelings on that, by the way? We'll get back to quarterback in a second, of course. Yeah, I I think the perfect role for McCary is six offensive linemen. He has shown that he can play off five positions. I think center, he... People look at the Buffalo game, and I think that left a sour taste in their mouth because he was the one who snapped the football that ultimately went over Lamar Jackson's head, gets him concussed, but I thought he played relatively well there. Uh, I think that... I agree. The Ravens, they set up Lamar Jackson in the past game with all these new receiving weapons. They built that around him. I think their next step is to build the offensive line completely around him. You know, invest at the right tackle position. If Ben Cleveland is their guy, then, you know, Ben Cleveland's their guy. And if they have confidence, maybe draft another tackle. But I, I, I was I, I was pretty shocked they didn't invest in the position at all in the 2021 draft uh, at, at any point. And I think they were banking on the healthy Ronnie Stanley and it came back to bite him a little bit there. But I think for right. McCarry in particular, yeah, him as a sixth offensive lineman, I think is the best case scenario. The Ravens have him on a good deal. And, and I think that that's awesome. If he, has, if he has to step in, he has to step in, but he can step in anywhere. I think that's the value. Well, if you, if you, if you have McCarry not as the starting center where I think he could certainly earn that role, then he gives you that one for one um, transferability, which the Ravens have liked over the years of not having to change two positions at the same time. So if he's if he's in the starting center, then he has to move to right tackle and Cologne has to come in at center. And in theory, you're changing two positions, although I don't think Cologne will practice anywhere else. So I don't think that really should be too much of a problem. But Cologne will not have the same kind of rep background that McCary has from uh, uh, if, if, if he's the uh, number two center right out of the gate. Right. Yeah. The, a lot of this hinges on Bradley Bozeman and just what happens with him. I think he's a key player, but he might have priced himself out of Baltimore. I mean, you're, you're, if you're reading the tea leaves right now, what, what probability do you assign to Bradley Bozeman being back? Yeah, it, I'm going to go 40-60 with 40 being he's back, 60 being he's not. Uh, I, I, the, the reason I give it, it like all the stuff you hear and all the stuff you're seeing, it's like, all right, he's going to get a huge contract and right. it might not be in the Ravens price range. But I think that, you know, he has ties to the city, ties to the organization that could say, Hey, if I'm getting offered 2 million less a year, I would rather just stay with what I'm familiar with. But at the same time, he's earned every penny he's going to get regardless of right. who it's from. I, I'd, I'd put it as 20 to 25 percent he stays. And I think if, if you're looking at this realistically, 
one of the things you have to assess is, would they have given this contract to McCary if they really thought they could re-sign Bozeman? I suspect they've had discussions all year trying to extend Bozeman, uh, and, and, and they probably should have had them at the end of last season, but they were just a little bit less sure about where they were in terms of him. You know, is he the center we want? And they're not being 100% sure he played well at guard. You know, is he, is he the guy who should come in and just step in at center? I, and and it, um, they probably were not sure enough that they could come to terms on a contract with Bradley then. Um, and, and honestly, I think that's probably going to cost the Ravens a pretty damn good player. Uh, it's it's it happens with stacked contracts. By the way, Ravens gonna have a big draft this year, and if they if if they have the kind of draft that the talent in the draft would dictate, because it's very deep, and their number of picks would dictate, and their quality, you know, picking would dictate, they could have an, not another 2018 draft because that that happens once a generation, but they could have another draft where they have a lot of talent that that is potentially do a second contract, and they'll have to do a lot of the same unstacking. And we saw in the, the 2018 draft that Orlando Brown had to be traded and Hurst had to be traded. They were never going to be able to re-sign him when they, when they had Andrews, even though, you know, both those guys are, are pretty good players and, and the Ravens just had to make sure they got the proper value on them. Zach Seeler was released unbelievably. And that's now one of the best interior linemen in the league. If you believe PFF, um, if it, Kenny Young is a, is a reasonable starting linebacker on another NFL team. I mean, and then there's three guys who made it through all the way to year four who probably are all headed to free agency. And I think Elliot is probably the most likely they'll be able to resign among Averett, Elliot and Bozeman. Um, it's just, it's just a shame, but we, when you have a stack draft like that, you can't sign them all. And it good to say you know, organizations, which are good at drafting have, heartbreaking results after four years of that. And the Ravens are going to have that happen again. I'm afraid if, if we're lucky, it'll be, a, it'll be a positive thing. But if we're lucky, this will happen again in 2027, 2026. Right. The Ravens have been historic. And I think, uh, you know, you look at Matthew Judon. You can look at Zadarius Smith. The Ravens were never going to be able to re-sign every single player on their roster. They've had, they've had that issue for years and years. But, yeah, if they can get their draft right, if they can surround Lamar Jackson with the proper offensive line and you know, whether they draft a running back or whatnot, if they can make this draft about retooling a defense, throwing up the trenches and figuring out everything else, you know, they can losing Bozeman would be hard, but they can, I think, work around it. You're muted. You're muted. Thank you for hitting on that so quickly. <laughs> Usually it takes longer. Usually it takes right. 30 seconds. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah, it, Bozeman will be, a, will be a very tough loss if the, uh, uh, if the Ravens end up do, if they do end up losing him. Part of it is because they've got 10 draft picks. They probably will end up with more than that by the end of this draft. That's my prediction is they'll be trading down, not up, because the Ravens, and they should in a draft like this, will believe in flatter valuations, which means they're, they're not going to believe that there's as much of a peak value to those first round players. So I would say it's, it's actually pretty likely the Ravens trade down from 14, unless they, they see the tackle they want there. I think they, that would be the exception to the, uh, to the rule. Uh, they could, they could also cornerback as a reasonable position and also defensive line. I mean, that the position is ancient. They need to replace that group. So we're going to see how that goes. We're supposed to be talking about the quarterback position, but <laughs> a lot of this does actually fit together. Lamar Jackson is obviously getting his fifth year, option uh pricing this next year so it'll be the first year where he makes a really a lot of money in in one particular year and then he's got two available franchise years after that if if the ravens were to choose to use him but i think this is probably the year where they will figure it out at some point perhaps during the year perhaps this off season exactly how much money um they think they want to pay him uh, very fortunate the ravens are not in cleveland's position 
<laughs> right. Yeah, I, I do not envy what Cleveland is, is going through right now. I think I'd be I'd be pretty shocked if it doesn't get done within the next I mean, less than calendar year. I think it's been pretty clear that both parties want a deal to get done. They've been very mm-hmm. public, I'd say, about it. And it, it really all comes down to, you know, obviously the, the total money, the guarantees, the years. I mean, Josh Allen, I thought Lamar would be the first out of that quarterback class to sign. I didn't think it would be Josh Allen. Josh Allen, maybe Lamar takes a shorter deal than Josh Allen for more guaranteed money. There's a lot of stuff to work through, but I'd be pretty shocked if Jackson wasn't back in Baltimore at some point. Right. I, I would I would be shocked if he wasn't signed either. I, I there's, there's, there's a lot of market frictions that aid the Ravens in this. I'm a little concerned by the fact that Jackson doesn't have an agent, but I think if, if we get to this point, after after this season, and the franchise, Ravens are, are threatening to franchise Lamar Jackson, uh, we will Jackson will at that point have an agent, and and he'll he'll figure it out in terms of you know I need to get an agent, I need to figure out what my options are, I need to get I need to get a realistic sense of what the pricing is, and he's probably got people advising him on this from outside the uh, you know. This is interesting because I don't know what the rules are in having an agent. I don't know if he can uh, you know buy consulting advice from somebody. He should. Uh, if he should think about it, he should he should you know say, look, I, I'm going to give you $150,000. I want you to kind of give me a report on what you think my market value is. This does not necessarily sound Lamar Jackson like, but it would be really sound business advice for him. Would be you know have somebody have a third party, somebody's not closer to the organization, try and come up with the comps, just like real estate. You know, come up with the comps uh, that are out there and, and tell you you know, given the season you just had. What should you be asking for in terms of things? And and they also got to consider, you know, what are the future franchising and the fact that he's on the fifth year option now. And if it was a year later, he might, he'd be worth more, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that'd be an interesting process. But I wonder who would do that for him for that kind of money. It doesn't seem like I mean, it seems like there's analysts out there who would be capable of putting this together for him uh, very reasonably. I don't think you necessarily have to go to a top sports agent for it. No, I, th- I think I think it is reasonable. And this whole thing with the no agent with for Lamar Jackson, he's gotten a ton of attention. You know, mm-hmm. this is something that we don't really see <laughs> where a, a top flight player like Jackson, you know, goes into his first contract negotiations without an agent or anybody like that advising. I mean, I, th- I think you're right. I think he does have people advising him. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think he's just going in by himself and doing it all. But, you know, he trusts who he trusts. And, and that's his right. You know, he can do that. Mm-hmm. So. I think that all the backlash, because he has gotten backlash for it, I think all the backlash that he's gotten is a little bit out there. But, you know, I agree. If if we're not talking about a contract extension for him by the end of next season at the latest and the franchise tag talk starts to come up, then stuff could change. Yeah, the real backlash will come if if there is divisible benefit in his contract from the fact that he's not paying agency fees. So let's say, and I don't know what the what the typical amount might be. Maybe five percent for for a, a, a quarterback or whatever. And I'm, maybe they are even a level across the league. But let's say it was let's say it was ten percent, including all elements of representation that he has to pay, and he's going to make forty five forty million forty five million dollars is good. Well, in theory, he could take forty point five million under those circumstances and uh, not pay anybody, and it would be an equivalent deal. Well, the NFL Players Association would be furious with him for doing something like that, because then that contract would be used as a new standard. And even if Jackson gets 
one and a half million of that four and a half million or two million of that four million and, and doesn't have an agent. He's made out and other NFL players you know, potentially can lose. It's 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 a really interesting case. And I'm sure he's getting all kinds of pressure from the NFLPA to take on agent, take representation. It's part of the cost of doing business and it keeps contracts where we want them to be. Uh, and, and Jackson, you know, probably in, in some very rational stubbornness is saying, I, I don't want to do it that way. And uh, and I you know we've seen this with the vaccine obviously and and uh, and I would wonder if there might be personality traits that might be similar leading to both decisions. And obviously, he did get vaccinated in the end, but yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting because uh, this isn't like some fifteen million a year contract. This mm-hmm. kind of like not not chump change, but still a decent amount of money. This is going to be one of the largest contracts in the NFL, yeah. <laughs> and because of the fact that he doesn't have an agent. That money that would go to an agent isn't going to be, you know, like $500,000 or $200,000. It's going to be a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so for the NFLPA, I think they they would not be happy. I agree, Ken, if he gets that makes out with the money that could go to that agent. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, now let's talk a little bit about the other quarterbacks on the team. Uh, Trace McSorley gone uh, now. Obviously, we wish him the best. I didn't think it was a a particularly large loss. I'm really surprised that he was able to come back and and play on the practice squad this year, be available at least uh, when needed. Um, But in the end, uh, he got picked up by Carolina, right? Took him in the end? Arizona. Arizona. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. For him, uh, the Ravens were one and six after McSorley left. I don't think that has any bearing on anything. But uh, for him, it, it was nice to have somebody who knew the system on the practice squad. He had been with the team for a couple of seasons. I think the Ravens made the right choice in Tyler Huntley. I, I don't. I think when you talk about McSorley versus Huntley, Huntley was the right decision. It was unfortunate that McSorley got picked up when he did, because. Even though Josh Johnson came in, played admirably against the Bengals, I think you would have liked to have the player who had been in your system for a couple of seasons, was familiar with the offense, familiar with the players in that situation. But then you had to go to Johnson in the whole, you know, the whole COVID outbreak happened. And so McSorley would have been good in that situation. But his overall loss, I don't think is that big of a deal. Yeah, I don't think it's that big a deal. And honestly, I I don't think, I think Johnson played better than McSorley would have in that game. Johnson just gave the Ravens a little bit more. I, he's not a long-term solution. Neither is McSorley, frankly, either, because he'd be a free agent soon. But uh, the, the question comes up about Huntley now, because Huntley will be entering year three in this next year. Uh, the Ravens need to have some sort of backup quarterback. And the question would come up, do they need a veteran backup quarterback to protect a championship-quality roster, or do they need just a guy like Huntley um, who can get them through the next two seasons? Uh, probably. I, I don't. I don't believe the guy has trade value. That discussion has been has been had, but I don't believe it's it to be real. I don't think there's anybody knocking the Ravens' door down trying to trade for Tyler Huntley into their system. Yeah, I don't know. Even if the Ravens were offered like a sixth round pick i don't think they'd say yes you know because you know if we're talking second round pick then sign me up but you know i don't don't think teams are are talking that right now especially because you know it's almost like it's like the what have you done for me now lately thing where huntley he comes in he's he's a new guy he has a lot of nice moments and then as the year goes on and he starts to start a little bit more the last two games of his season i think were his two worst and at least i think pittsburgh was the worst and he did not have any semblance of a deep ball. That's something he has to improve in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And I think for what the Ravens need in terms of 
veteran versus Huntley. I think they're okay with Huntley. Like, I think it's fine. What we saw with Johnson, and we can even go back to Robert Griffin III, is that you need a certain amount of mobility in this offense mm-hmm. if they're going to keep it the way it is. Robert Griffin III, when they tried to run with him and do the quarterback runs, could not get to the edge. Defenses were tackling him five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Josh Johnson. Same thing happened in Cincinnati where they tried to do the little design runs and he was getting tackled five yards behind the line of scrimmage. So I think you need some sort of mobility. If you can find a veteran like that, then that's awesome. You know, you can use them. The Ravens, I would expect them to keep two quarterbacks next year, again, just because they're going to need other depth at other positions. But if you can get a veteran on the practice squad, I think that's totally okay. Yeah, and that that might be the way they go, or maybe that I don't think it will be that Huntley is back on the practice squad. It could be done, but I don't I don't anticipate that. Uh, you you left a big chasm there, by the way, in saying I take a two, but I wouldn't take a six. That's like the old <laughs> pro- prostitute thing where you do it for you wouldn't do it for a dollar, but you do it for a billion dollars. But what's the what's your what's your actual ground? Where where would you trade Huntley? I With think the, if the, the minimum pick you require to to to, to trade Huntley, the minimum pick, the absolute minimum. I think is a four. I don't think I'd do it for a five. I wouldn't do it for a six or a seventh. I think a four is where I'd start listening. And then from there it goes. I think that's I think that's very rational. I think that a four is where backup quarterback uh, uh, trades often happen. Joe Flacco was traded for a four, et cetera. You know, so I think I think that's a reasonable number. I don't think there's I don't think there's another team out there that that has a four just burning a hole in their pocket that they they'd like to trade for Tyler Huntley. But we'd say. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, I, I probably think more of Josh Johnson than you. He's not a long-term answer, but at 35 years old, he came in, I thought was very serviceable for a game. And I thought the Ravens probably would have been better in better hands with Josh Johnson for all of Huntley's games than just the the one he played. Now, that that might not have been a reasonable option, but on the other hand, Johnson came in on no notice and immediately started running an offense that, that was – reasonably efficient in terms of at least the passing game completed 70% of his passes. There were a lot of, a lot of short passes ball out quickly. Um, but I think he has more pocket awareness than Huntley does in terms of, of not taking a blindside hit, not taking an unexpected hit, uh, not holding on to the ball too long. As a lot of people say, that's just too generic a term, but it's really, it's really not taking an unexpected hit, which is more likely to lead to a fumble or a, or a pass that, that gets away from him. Right. And I don't want to give the wrong idea. I think Johnson played very well against Cincinnati. I think that he can be somebody who, you know, if he's around for next season and he returns, I think that'd be fine. I think he is somebody who can run this offense. And he played, I think, against Cincinnati. He was slinging the ball around, you know, high velocity throws, placed them very well. The issue with that game was the Ravens defense just couldn't defend it. Right. Sure. And I think they wasted a performance by Josh Johnson, where if the Ravens defense could have held Cincinnati to, even 30 points instead of what they gave up, there was a chance they win that game. But the Ravens get down by too much, and I think they waste that performance. Okay, so we we're, we're, we we have uh, Huntley is is an option. Josh Johnson is only a contingent option. Maybe he's not your second quarterback. I don't think he could be the a guy you keep on the practice squad and you have him prepared to go, or he might be the guy that's on the other end of the phone. You know, when you when you need him, you call him. Uh, like Mark Bolger was supposed to be, you know, years ago. But, but what what are your thoughts on bringing in a veteran quarterback as opposed to potentially drafting and reloading at quarterback uh, with somebody fairly late in the draft? I would presume. I think that the Ravens could take a flyer. I mean, I don't know how many people expected the McSorley pick when it happened. I think it was a relative surprise, not necessarily a huge one. 
Uh, I, it wouldn't be shocking to see a sixth rounder turn into a quarterback if they wanted to go back there. And, and I'm assuming as you are, Ken, they're probably going to trade down. So if they pick up an extra six in the trade there, they could maybe get a veteran or a rookie who can come in and perform well in terms of a veteran option. I think having a veteran for training camp is good, whether they actually make the team outright or are a practice squad option. That's a different type mm-hmm. of conversation. But to have a veteran in there, I think Lamar Jackson, he's going to be entering his fifth season. He's outgrown that, hey, he needs a mentor like Robert Griffin, mm-hmm. the third type guy. But if there's a veteran out there who's in his fifth, sixth, seventh season, still has juice, has had success in the type of offense the Ravens run, I think that's a perfectly fine investment. Then you can save your draft picks if you need an extra corner or need a developmental tackle or needs uh, just want to take a flyer on a fullback. They've, they've done it before. <laughs> or or you, can, you can scrap your idea and take a flyer on a fullback and take that developmental tackle at the right time. Right. Boy, that exactly. just, I will still stick in my craw for a long time. There's a lot of draft picks in Ravens history that I'm upset about. The, uh, everybody knows the one I'm most upset about in recent years, but the, but the, the, the not going for a developmental tackle or a defensive or defensive tackle, nose tackle would have been fine too. They had guys that were on the board at, at that point in the draft uh, when they took Ben Mason. Just unacceptable. A, a yeah. t- terrible selection. I, I was shocked that they didn't. It was literally not addressing the trenches. They get Ben Cleveland, mm-hmm. but not addressing tackle, not addressing the defensive line. I was shocked because they have a history of drafting defensive t- linemen, right. and they just completely abandoned that strategy. And now in a I year mean, where I, they're very old. At the right. position. And I don't even think Ben Mason is with the team anymore. No, in fact, Ben Mason wasn't even picked off off waivers by New England. He went to the he went to the uh, all the way off waivers, then was signed to their practice squad. And that tells you right there. That's all you need to know to know that Ben Ben Mason would have been available as a UDFA. That is the that is prima facie evidence that he would have been available as a UDFA. So, you know, would the Ravens had had to spend a couple of the UDFA dollars on him and they you know, they wanted to spend most of them on Ardarius Washington maybe, but uh, but they 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 could have had him as a UDFA. Right. I, I liked Stone Forsyth in that position. Yeah. Um, there, were, there were a couple others that were good both at tackle and at defensive line, but you know, th- those type of draft picks if you want to throw it at a rookie quarterback who could be a developmental guy who fits your system. I think that's even, even that's a much better pick than uh, what Ben Mason ended up being. All right. Uh, so we gotten pissed off about the Ravens injuries and the Ravens draft picks. And, and, and uh, seriously though, folks, we're, we're, we're hoping for a big draft this year. The Ravens are, are very much in need of it. And if there was a t- time in recent Ravens history where it was likely to be true. They have about the most draft capital they've had in many years. Uh, drafting 14th uh, at, at their first selection really increases that total amount, and they've got 10 picks. Um, the David Culley situation is still paying off for them, so they've got a uh, uh, you know quite a bit to, to look forward to. So a, any other closing thoughts on the, on the Ravens quarterback situation and what they ought to do for 2022 that would be different? Uh, a, a different idea is I know the Bengals had a COVID type quarterback where he's away from the team, away from the facility, and you kind of have somebody who, let's say the Ravens, and we don't know what the world's going to look like in September mm-hmm. 2022 and whatnot, but let's say the Ravens have another COVID outbreak. It is their quarterback room. If you have Josh Johnson, who knows the playbook, is studying the playbook and is working out on his own away from the team facility, he can come in and play because he's not exposed to what the team is exposed to. And I think that's an an idea to look out for. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but I think it's an interesting one. 
Yeah, I, I, I like the idea. I mean, I really like the idea of having somebody like a Josh Johnson that would be offsite and and uh, and plugged in, and then could be could be could get the call at the right time. I think that would make a lot of sense. You know, this is a none of the normal rules of franchise building, the normal rules, as if there's one set, can apply to right now in this world we live in. I mean, it's the, the COVID world is a scary one. Uh, the injuries have increased, and and the Ravens need to find some way to get a better grasp on soft tissue injuries, but it's not just that. I mean, it's, it's all the other injuries and the, the game is very violent. And I think it really plays into what the Ravens do well in terms of being deep and drafting. Well, uh, it just didn't happen to in, in, in 2021. And, and it was, it, it, you know, if, if you're always at risk of losing your top players, then the last thing you want is three or four players that completely define your roster. So the Rams method ought to not work at all. And, and they, but of course the Rams are still alive and they're, and uh, are, are playing well. And the Ravens are not. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I like the Ravens way of approaching roster building in this day and age. I think it's very appropriate for a COVID and uh, era in particular. And, um, and, and I, I hope that they won't abandon that based on what's happened here. I don't think there's a reason why they will. They don't have the cap dollars to do it. They don't really have an, enough draft capital to trade a lot of it for individual players, which would be another way they could screw it up. But uh, they, they, I think they'll, they'll continue with the normal straight-ahead course in terms of the ship. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say that this team is going to look a little different in 2022, yeah. if not drastically different. And the way that they've built their team, I think, has been great. It's been the at least this year, it was the injuries. I mean, the Ravens start every season, it seems like, with 50 million corners, and then they end the year with two healthy ones. So yeah. it's like positions like that where you're like bracing for the injuries and you you have to sign the Devontae Harris's of the world and the Robert Jackson's of the world and Daryl mm-hmm. Worley's. It, it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens respond to this season, whether it's with new training regimens or just how many injuries they go through in 2022 because, you know, it started off with just – Rashad Bateman going down and Jimmy Smith going down. And it ended with a league high amount of players on IR and, and the Ravens out of the playoffs. Disastrous, uh, disastrous year from injury perspective and probably the worst the Ravens have had. The 2015 team, there's a question about whether that team was really good enough to go a long way. This team was good enough to go a long way with their base personnel. And it's a, it's a shame that, that it got derailed so badly. Kevin, great to have you on again. Uh, tell folks again where they can find your stuff. Yeah, it's always great talking football with you, Ken. Uh, I am on Twitter, KSHRK34. I host a Locked On Ravens podcast. We're on video form in YouTube and audio form, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Also, right for the Ravens Wire, seven days a week. So any written Ravens content you can find over there. All right, great. Uh, other folks out there who who want to join me on a podcast, lots of opportunity this offseason. But the, the, the series I'm working right now is Fixing the Ravens. So if you have an idea what, how the Ravens ought to be fixed in terms of anything, send me a DM on Twitter. The narrower the idea, uh, the more likely I am to do it. And, and I'm looking for people who don't mind their idea being narrowed some. So generally speaking, fire Greg Roman. I, I, I have a couple of guys coming on to talk about that in a very detailed concept that will take two episodes, but it's, it's way too, it's a very broad topic. So please don't go for anything that, that different. If you want to talk about how to rebuild a defensive line and you have an idea that combines draft picks and, and uh, uh, you know, free agency and whatnot, that's great. That's the kind of, that's the kind of discussion I want to have. Uh, anyway, send me a DM. DMs are open on Twitter. Uh, Kevin, thanks again for coming on. Ken, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.